Praise God. We've been talking about how to be led by the Spirit, and I'm not going to repeat what we did in the last service, but I talked about fleeces. Yes. And if you want to get fleeced, then just put out a fleece. Because I promise you, you'll lose if you put out a fleece. And they're unscriptural. Even though they're in the Old Testament, they're not for the new. I'm not going to go through all that again. Uh, but if you, didn't, if, you, if you want to learn about fleeces and what they are and what not to do, then listen to this morning at 10 a.m. We also talked about open doors. And just because there's an open door does not mean that that's God's leading. The Bible says that God will open doors, but he didn't say he'll lead you through open doors. There's many great opportunities that come your way. But that doesn't mean that God gave you the opportunity. In fact, some of the best financial opportunities that have ever been presented to me were presented by the devil. Are you all awake? Because I'm, I'm fixing to make you run. Jenna, you better lead them in some responding. When I, uh, when, before we started this church, and I knew God wanted me to start this church from scratch, but there was an opportunity, that, an open door that presented itself to me. That another minister who didn't want me to stay in Canada, who wanted me to go to the States, uh, helped work that door out. And it was a church down in Louisiana area, that part of the United States. And, uh, you know, six-figure, more than $100,000 U.S. starting with much raises and, and increase to come on that dollar value. A church of hundreds of people, large church. And they, they, were, they were saying, you know, if you just, just go ahead, just go ahead and take this now. Just go ahead and take it all, everything will be well. So it looked like there was an open door. Yeah. Yeah. But the devil was opening that door. Yeah. And, I, and it looked like it was gonna be a blessing to me. But you see, I didn't let the door be the guide. I checked in my spirit because my spirit will tell me who opened the door. And anything that is an open door or in the natural, it's on the devil's territory. He can influence doors and he can influence fleeces. That's why the only thing he can't influence is the inner witness because he doesn't live in your spirit. It's sealed by the blood. That's the only thing he can influence. He can influence dreams. He can influence prophecies. He can influence a false revelation into the Bible. There's every, he can influence words of knowledge. He can influence everything but he cannot influence the inner witness. So when the door presented itself, I checked my inner man, I checked my spirit man, mm -hmm. and there was a check. Yes. And when I knew that there was that check, it didn't matter how good the door seemed, the door is not from God. Yes. And I said no to it. Pastor Matthew had the same experience. A man from the eastern part of the States came to him when he was a poor African pastor. I mean, very poor physically, just nothing. And knew God wanted him to come to America. And here's this man saying, I'll, I'll have you, there's a house there in America waiting for you. I'll build you a house here. You be my church planter. You be under our organization. And the Holy Ghost said, no, there was an open door, but it wasn't God. Then another pastor from Wisconsin, somewhere in that area, came to him and said the same thing. We'll buy you, build you a house here. We'll build you a house there. You travel back and forth. We'll give you a big fat salary. You be our church planter in Africa. And the Holy Ghost said, no. You see, in his inner man, he knew no, but the door seemed like a perfect opportunity, especially when you're in poverty. You know how hard it is to say no to money when you got nothing? Do you understand? So sometimes the devil, will, will, he knows your weak spot. He knows you're struggling in an area. So he'll make up, he'll create a situation that answers all your prayers. And he'll present it as an angel of light. He'll present it as a glistening opportunity of ease. And you cannot let good opportunities govern you. They're not the way God leads. We can turn open doors into fleeces if we're not careful. Yeah. 
Well, Lord, if you give me that job at this salary, I'll know it's you. That's the Christians still say that today. I even heard Christians in my own church say that. You're, you're a fool. The Holy Spirit does not lead that way. He leads by the inner witness where you take time to pray and seek him and there's a knowing that will come up on the inside of you. Whatever that knowing is, is what you go with, not the opportunity that's presented. Amen. Do you understand? God, does, God can open a door, but the door is not the leading. The inner witness is the leading to determine who opened the door, God or the devil. And if it's God, then go through it. That's good. Amen. Amen? Amen. So we talked, I won't get into all, we talked about that in the first service. Then we also talked a little bit about the, 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 the he leads us by red lights and green lights. And, and Dan Hagen always said the Holy Spirit, the inner witness will operate more by checks, by red lights, by warnings, than more, more so than green lights. And I read you from Acts in, in the first service about Acts chapter 16. Paul was going with a group of people and they were preaching. And you see, God doesn't show you everything all the time. You just start. A lot of people wait for God to reveal everything and they'll wait their whole life doing nothing. Just put your feet to the, just start walking the path. And as he was walking, he tried to go over to Asia and the Lord said no. And then he tried to go over to Bithynia and the Lord said no. And then he had the dream. God in that case talked to him through a dream and he saw the man of Macedonia called to him and he said and we assuredly gathered the Lord was leading us to preach in Macedonia and indeed that was the Lord's will and he went but did you notice God never told him where to go God never said Macedonia. Now, sometimes God will tell you exactly where to go. But many times, even the great apostle Paul did not have God reveal to him exactly where to go. He was responsible for just starting to walk what seemed good to him. A lot of you, especially in business and in relationships and in life, just walk. Just make movement. Don't be lazy. Don't wait for everything to be revealed because not everything is always revealed. Just start to make forward motion. And the Lord is so kind and so good and he loves loves you so much. He doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to, to make it more than you want to make it. And if you step over a little bit off the path, like Paul was going to Asia, he'll say no. And if you step a little bit off the path over to Bithynia, like Paul did, the Lord said no. You see, he kept him in the boundaries by the, by the red lights of the Holy Ghost to keep him on that path. But you notice Paul didn't stop moving. He kept walking. A lot of people just stand still, Jenny. They just wait. Wait for God to try to tell them something. And, and God's trying to say, just walk, son. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard the old analogy, you can't steer a car that's not moving. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Just get some movement in your life. Start to make direction. That's what I did with this business that God blessed me with, which I only do a very tiny amount of time per day. But, but I didn't know what to do. I, it, it, I just, he just dropped one little thing in me. And, I, and he lets, you know, I've learned, Willie, God lets you figure some stuff out on your own. Yeah. He doesn't like lazy people. He dropped one little thing in me and he expected me to research. Research? Research? Yes. He expects you to educate yourself. He expects you to read books. He expects you to do some night school courses. He expects you to improve yourself and not be so lazy. Because most Christians, they just want to, they want all the blessing, but they don't want to do anything. They don't want to, they don't want to use the giftings that God's put in them to use. They, they, they want all this extra, but they don't want to do what God, they don't want to be led by the Spirit. The leading of the Spirit sometimes leads you into work. W-O-R-K. 
And he led me into some research and study and work. And I didn't know what I was doing any more than, a, than I, I'm, I'm like a goose in a snowstorm. But every time I'd step over here, I'd hear him say, no, no, don't do that, son. And I'd come over here, no, no, no. And, and over time, months and months and months and months and months and many little errors, many little mistakes. But he starts to, he's starting to show me and narrow, narrow the focus and start to pinpoint so that I understand now more what the purpose is, how to do it, what not to do. But you see, it takes walking. Just walk that path. People think if they step off the path that they failed. Paul never failed and he stepped off the path. When he stepped off, the Spirit said no and he came back on. It's not a failure to step off the path and make a little error here. What's the failure is when you step off and the Spirit of God says no and you just keep plowing your way right through the no into the jungle. That's the failure. And that's where you'll get over and you'll get, you'll get all messed up if you do that. But when the Spirit of God says no, don't do that. No, no, don't do that. And you just stay within the confines of the red lights, you'll see the path, the path will become clearer and clearer and brighter and brighter the more you walk. But a lot of people just have to walk. They're too afraid to walk. People say, I want to start a business. We'll start one. Well, I don't know. Stop whining about it and do it. Well, I'm praying. You don't need to pray. Just start the business. Did God tell you to start it? Yes. Then start it. But I don't know what to do. Well, right. So start to walk. Make an appointment at the bank. But I just want to pray and I just want to stay home and fast. Well, that's nice in its place. But fasting is not going to get the bank account open. You have to go and sit with the bank manager. You have to ask advice. You want, ah, I don't want to take counsel from sinners. You know, these Christians are nuts sometimes. Jesus said the sinner knows more about business than you do. That's what Jesus said. He said the ones in the world are wiser than the children of light. It's okay. You're not going into covenant with them. It's okay to sit down with somebody and say, I don't understand this. I need your counsel on this. How does this work? How does that work? I asked so many questions for my business and I, and I knew they were stupid questions because I could tell the way the person was answering me. They were like, do you even have a brain? Because to them, it's like breathing. To me, it's a whole new language. Because I don't know anything about business. I'm a minister. That's, and that's what I still am. I'm not a businessman. I never will be. This is just a side thing. But I didn't know. I had to ask. And so I got to the point, Winston, where I would start the conversation when I would talk to people that were professionals than what I was trying to do. I would say, I know these are stupid questions. I'm warning you in advance. Oh, no, sir, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Oh, yeah, they say that until they hear my questions. And then I can hear them on the other end of the phone going, I've never met somebody as stupid as this in my life, the fact that he's asking me this. But I didn't know the answers. And I can't call Pastor Nancy because she don't know the answers. And I can't call Pastor, Pastor Lakedic because he don't know the answers. Because these are not ministry-related items. Do you understand? So sometimes you have to just walk. Just walk. Just ask, just try, just get moving. And if you make a little error, the Holy Ghost will say, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. And you'll learn to be led by the Spirit as you walk. Good. Praise God. Yeah. We've got to learn to be led, Jenny. Yes. I'm saying this because a lot of people are expecting God to do great things in their life, Amen. but they won't act. Right. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. They're waiting to win the lottery. They've got a lottery mentality. Yeah. One day it's all going to work out. God may have you in the lottery, and I'm not suggesting that you play it, because you probably shouldn't. But if you do, make sure you tithe. But anyway, I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying there's a lottery mentality. One day on yonder in Beulah land, one day 
it's all going to work out for me. My ship's going to come in one day. And you've been saying that for 33 years. You know what? You're going to say that for another 33 years and your ship's never going to come in because your ship's lost at sea. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just talking real practical. A lot of people have all these big, big things that they say. And I don't believe what anybody says anymore. You, you show me with your action. You say you love me, then show me with your action. You say, you say you want to help, then show me with your action. A lot of people say, God, I'll do whatever you want. But then he drops something in them and they won't do it. Because they're waiting for some miraculous event, some big dramatic occasion. And all you have a right to, according to the scriptures, is the inward witness. You don't need a dramatic occasion. You don't need a thunderclap from heaven. All you need is the inward witness. I said for years, which was stupid. I said for years, thank God I don't have to do any kind of ridiculous business thing. Thank God I'm just called to the ministry because that's what I'm anointed to do and that's what I'm comfortable doing. I said that for years. I probably shouldn't have said that. But anyway, the Lord got over to me and said, now son, I'm going to bless you through the ministry and I'm going to bless you abundantly and I have blessed you and there's more coming. He said, but there's certain things that I want you to have and if you only get it from the ministry, the people, people out in the world will accuse you. Even if I'm not stealing from the ministry, uh, sometimes people out there, is, religious people are worse than sinners, but, but sinners as well. You have a pastor that drives something nice or lives somewhere nice or wears something nice, and the thought immediately is he's fleecing the sheep. Yeah. He's lying. He's stealing. He's doing this. Do you understand? Now they can think what they want because our books are open. Come, the auditors have checked. We are above board and we are squeaky, squeaky clean. But it doesn't change the fact that people will always accuse you. Not that there's anybody accusing us now, and not that really anybody's ever accused us on that point, because they haven't. But the Lord said, there's some stuff coming for you and your family. And I can't get, I'm not going to get it to you through the ministry because it's going to cause, uh, it's going to cause open door for people to persecute right. you. So I'm going to give it to you through other means. Good, yeah. Nothing to do with the ministry. So that when God, when people look at me and they say, my God, uh, how come you've got that? You stole that from the church? I say, no, it had nothing to do with the ministry. It had nothing to do with that. God blessed me from this source. God blessed me from that source. God blessed me from this person over here. God blessed me with that business idea. It had nothing to do with the ministry. Now God is setting us up, Jenny, because there's stuff that he wants us to enjoy in the future and he doesn't want us to bring a reproach on the ministry. So he's opening up other things. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, and, and I'm talking about, I'm talking, when I, you know what piddly winks means? Piddly winks are very small. What I'm talking about in my little piddly wink business, it's piddly wink dollars. It's not, it's not anything significant. But I am at least obeying the inner witness. It doesn't matter how prosperous or how much money it makes me. What matters is that God said, I want you to do this. And I obeyed his prompting. That is what pleases him. It doesn't matter if outside it looks successful or not. What matters is that I followed the inward witness when he said, do this idea. And if I can do it, you can do it. Because if anybody is not geared to business and that kind of stuff, it's me. So nobody has an excuse. Nobody can say I'm not smart enough. Nobody can say I'm too busy. Because most of you aren't as busy as I am. And most of you are smarter than me. Most of you have better education than me. What God's looking for is obedience. Yeah. He just wants people to obey. Amen. I know it in my spirit. There's some people right here sitting right now. God has put a little cottage industry in your heart. 
and I speak by the Spirit right now. God has put something, what I call a cottage industry. In other words, it's something small. It's not dramatic, it's not huge, and it's not a large moneymaker, but he's dropped it in your heart and you have not done it. And then you say to the Lord, why, why won't this work? Because he already gave you your answer, but you won't step out. You think that you need some dramatic occasion when all your all God's obligated is to give you an inward witness. When he says, do it in here, and there's peace and joy, he expects you to work hard. He expects you not to be lazy. He expects you to step out of your comfort zone. He expects you to learn and crack some books that maybe you've never cracked before. He expects you to pray and fast and wait on him. He expects you to do all the natural things and all the spiritual things so that now he's got something that he can put his blessing and his anointing on. Do you understand? If you don't sow a seed in the ground, you can't get a harvest. Well, if you don't sow a seed in the offering plate, you can't get a harvest. But it goes beyond that. If you don't obey the inner promptings, he has got nothing to bring a harvest to in your life. Do you understand? So for those of you that, that, are, that, are, that are, for lack of a better word, guilty of that, if God has prompted you to do something, don't lessen it by saying it's not important or it probably won't amount to much anyway or I don't know if all that work is going to be even worth the money that it makes. Why don't you just let God worry about all that stuff and why don't you just obey him? Yeah. Well, I don't know how to do it. Yes, you do. Stop, stop being, looking for a scapegoat. You're, if he told you to do it, you've got the giftings inside you. You just have to sharpen those up, do a little bit of studying, do a bit of learning, step out, don't be so lazy, make the effort, and then God's blessing comes on you as you walk, and then he'll lead you, don't go there, don't go there, do this, don't do that, and that inner witness that birthed it is the inner witness that walks you out. Yes. Hallelujah. I hope you're listening because some of you, God's got plans to bless you. Yes. He's got plans to bless your socks off, but he needs you to make the first step. And you don't, you don't have to wait for an angel to appear to you. You just go with this. You go with that inner knowing. You go with that inner prompting. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I don't know, honey, whether they like it or not, but that's, that's what I feel in my heart to tell them. Now, I was sharing a little bit about the open doors, which I'm not going to repeat anymore, and about the, and about the fleeces, but I, I want to I bring up some, another point because I'm just continuing with my notes here. Uh, look at Isaiah 28, 16 with me. Isaiah chapter 28, 16. And we'll get into some other stuff in a second that will bless you. Isaiah 28, 16. Hallelujah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. That's Jesus, obviously. He that believeth on who? That foundation stone. That's us. That's me and you. We believe. Amen. He that believeth shall not make haste. Yeah. This is a very important scripture. Dad Hagen often referred to this scripture. He said one of the biggest problems, in fact, I think we have a, a quote for that. So put up that, please, for me, number 10. Put up that for me, please. You see, you don't have to get into too big a hurry about some things. And that's another place where people miss it, getting in a hurry on some of these things. Faith, don't get in a hurry. The devil will keep getting you to hurry up, hurry, hurry. He'll move you out of faith and move you into doubt and move you into unbelief and get you away from the leading of God. This is one area of being led by the Spirit that people have got to get. You see, Jenny, we, we have a ditch on both sides. We have the people that God is trying to lead them, and they, and they, they don't do anything. 
they drag their feet. They, they, they want something dramatic or they're too lazy or they feel too insecure or like they're going to be a failure if they step out. And they don't just trust that if God told me to step out, he's going to make up the difference. Whatever I'm short on, he will make up the difference. Why? Because I was led in my spirit to step out. So we got one ditch where they don't do anything and they drag their feet. Then we got the other ditch where people go too fast. He prompts them on something, Winston, and they are rushing and, and, and the worst thing you can do, if the devil can't frontal assault you and get you to stop and get out of the will of God, you know what he'll do? He'll come up behind you and start pushing you. Because if he pushes you to go too fast, you'll start to stumble, just like you would if you were running. You'd start to stumble, and then you get out of the will of God. When you hurry, it gets you out of the leading of the Spirit. That's one area that people have got to, got to learn because our society is a drive-through, fast-paced society. Everybody wants you to make a decision on the spot. Don't ever make a decision on the spot. Even when you know it's the Holy Ghost, go and sleep on Amen. it. Amen. Yeah. Don't ever make a big decision on the spot, like buying something big or investing in something big. Even if you feel it is the Holy Ghost, go sleep on it. I've heard many times that I thought it was the Holy Ghost, but I stepped on it and realized when I got up in the morning, it wasn't the Holy yeah. Ghost. It was my emotions, which was so close to my spirit. My soul and my spirit was so close, I was not able to distinguish the difference. But many times when you go to sleep, and especially if you pray much in the Holy Ghost, which is a criteria, and you're in the Word a lot, when you go to sleep and your mind is quiet, your spirit will upload to your mind the answer, and you wake up in the morning, you just know what to do. You don't know why, but you just know what to do, because it came up out of your spirit. And so hurrying will get you into error. But also dragging your feet and never doing anything because you feel like you're going to fail or because you need some dramatic occasion from God, it's also going to cause you to fail. So we got two ditches. There's going too slow and going too fast. When you're led by the Spirit, it's always at the right pace. It's always at the right pace. Now, that Hagen tells a story about this. I, start, I shared it at the beginning, but I, I'm going to share another part that I never shared at the, at the previous service. You know, he, I'll, I'll go quickly on the first part because it's about the, the fleece thing. So he's in this church. There's another church. You know, back in those days, it's different to today. Pastors would uh, be hired by boards. That happens still today, but only in big denominations, right? We're an independent church, so it doesn't work that way. And it's not scriptural. The way that those denominations were completely unscriptural. And Dad Hagen knew that, but that's just the world in which he lived in the 40s, late 30s and 40s. And so he had a church and a parsonage, which was just a little house behind the church where the pastor stayed, and, uh, and he was fine. But another church over yonder, uh, uh, he, he was in the east, east oil fields of Texas, but there was another church in the north blacklands of Texas that, that contacted him and said, we'd like you to come and be the, our pastor. Leave that church and be our pastor. And so, you know, the way they do it is they'd vote with the congregation, which is also unscriptural. They did, oh, I can't believe how much unscriptural stuff that those denominations do. But anyway, oh, to totally fleshly and carnality, but that's, that's the way the cookie crumbled. That's the way Dad Hagen had to work with it. So they said, uh, would you consider it? Now, Dad Hagen didn't really like the church he was in, but he, he didn't hate it, but he didn't really like it. And the other church was offering him more money with a bigger house, a bigger parsonage. So like a normal person, he's in his 20s, right? He's, he's not as old as he is, you know, when, when you all, you saw him. He was younger. He was still learning. So, and all of his Pentecostal denomination local pastors were all talking about fleeces and how powerful fleeces were. So he didn't know much. So he thought, well, I'll put out a fleece. He said it was the only time he ever put out a fleece in his entire ministry. And it was the only mistake he made yeah. in his entire ministry. In fact, he said, when I put the fleece out, I got fleeced. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he put a fleece and he said, father, if you, now listen, listen closely and you'll get a nugget. He said, I put the fleece out because it was easier to put the fleece than it was to pray. 
So in other words, people that put out fleeces don't know how to be, either they're ignorant that they can be led or they're too lazy to wait on God to be led. Because he said, why pray and fast? Just put out a fleece. It's so much easier. So he put out a fleece. He said, if they vote me 100%, then I'll go to that church. But it has to be 100%. Now, in those days, it was very rare to get every single person in the congregation and the board of elders and the board of deacons and the board of advisors to all unanimously vote in a pastor. Almost never happened. So he said, if they vote me 100%, Lord, I'll take that as your will. See, what did he do? He said, the open door is now a fleece. Don't ever do that. You'll, you'll be led astray. Because the devil can, uh, can influence outcomes as easily as God can. Because that, that's his territory. He's the God of this world. He can't influence your spirit, but he can influence the society. And so they voted 100% in favor. So he packed up his bags with Miss Aretha and they went over to that church and left the other pastorate. And he said, he, on this first week he was studying and the anointing was there. In fact, he said, the fire of God was all over me. I was so excited. I got a fiery sermon right from heaven. And he stepped into the pulpit in his new church. And he said, it was like somebody poured a bucket of cold water over me. He said, there wasn't one ounce of anointing. There was no inspiration. There was no power. There was no help. He said, it was the most dry, boring sermon. And he said, there was just no anointing. The next week he thought it was maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a, a mistake, whatever. Maybe it was an anomaly. He went and he had the anointing and fire in his office. He stepped into the pulpit the next Sunday and it was like somebody pouring a bucket of cold water and there was no anointing. Well, he had signed a contract for 14 months. And they wouldn't release him of the contract. So Brother Hagen preached for 14 months, not one sermon with the anointing. To the point that Mrs. Hagen said to him, honey, you got to the place where you can do a good talk. Because that's all it was, a bunch of talk. There was no anointing, there was no power, there was no healings, there was no deliverance, there was, no, there was nothing. A minister knows, you may not always know, but a minister knows when the anointing is on them and when the anointing is not on them. And it's a scary place to be when the anointing is not there. That's one way that it's a constant confirmation yes. to a minister that they're in the will of God is when the anointing is on them when they yeah. preach. Yeah. Because even when I missed it a little bit and did the Friday night service when I wasn't supposed to, remember back yonder a month or two ago, and, and, and th that anointing started to lift off me and it became hard and grievous and burdensome and laborsome and grinding and, and it just made me frustrated, made me want to quit, made me want to go on a holiday and go do, go do those sabbatical things. I mean, it was difficult, but why? Because I got out of the perfect will of God into the permissive will of God and the anointing is less. Now, Dad Hagen wasn't even in the permissive will. He was out of the will of God altogether. That means the anointing wasn't there at all. Now, can you imagine preaching 14 months without the anointing? And your wife is calling what you do a talk and she's trying to encourage him. She's not trying to hurt him. But when your wife as a minister says you did a good talk, I mean, that's the worst damage that, that, that cuts you right through the heart because you, at least you want your wife to think you're anointed. And when your wife knows you're not anointed, something's desperately wrong. So now the story continues. After the 14 months, he didn't need to put on any more fleeces. And he didn't even need to pray. As soon as the 14 months ended, he was gone, buddy, because he was out of the will of God. Why? Because instead of asking the Lord, should I go to that church? And going with the inner knowing yes or no, he put out a fleece and said, if they vote me 100%, that means it's your will, I'll go. And it wasn't God's will. And he went and he had to keep his word. That's painful for 14 months. That's a long time. 
That's, I did it for six weeks and I could barely take it. Can you imagine 14 months? So that's over now and he's hightailed it out of there. Okay? But the other church has already got a pastor that he left. He can't go back there. So he said, Lord, I got to go. You know, I got to go. I can't be here. I'm out of your will. And the Lord opened up another church that had a temporary lapse in pastorship. And they said, would you come? So he's in this other church now. Now, listen, I'm, I'm going to just listen to the story because you'll learn. Sometimes stories teach us stuff. Yeah. So he's that. This is real life. Okay. He's that at that church now, this second church after the 14 months. So this is 1940, uh, 41, 1941. He's there. He'd been, a, he, he'd been a 14 months. Now he's at this church. Now he's at this church actually for about a year from 1941 into 1942. He's at this church. Now this, now watch how the Holy Ghost leads. He's at this church. He's now in the permissive will of God, but he's not in the perfect will of God. Yes. He was in no will of God before. That's right. He was in the will of God. Then the fleece took him out of the will of God. Now he's in the permissive will of God. But at least there's still a measure of the anointing on him while he's preaching. But while he's in his office, which like, you know, like a, a church, his office is part of the, right beside the sanctuary, like minus. And he, and he said, I'm, I'm there studying during the day for my sermon for that Sunday. And he said, all of a sudden, a prayer and intercession burden would fall on me. It's not there one second, it is there the next. And I would begin to intercede with groanings for the first church that he had left when he put the fleece out. And, and he, but he didn't want to pray for that church. He didn't even want, he didn't, he wanted to leave that church, remember. So he would try to stop praying, but the burden of intercession was so heavy on him that he couldn't quite put it down. So you know what he would, this is Dad Hagen. He would physically run out of the office, through the sanctuary, into the parking lot to try to get away from the prayer burden. <laughs> and he said one time he found himself in the parking lot and he doesn't remember how he got there. But he know that he ran out of his office because he didn't want to pray for that church. <laughs> After 30 days of this intercessory burden coming on him, he finally clued in and said, God, are you trying to talk to me? You see, sometimes the Lord, obviously by the inner witness, but if you're missing the inner witness, which you can do if you're carnal, sometimes he'll put other things, it's not always dreams. And a burden to pray for something can be a leading. It doesn't mean it is, but it can be. And God wasn't talking to him, but God was giving him a burden to pray for that church. And it took him a long time to clue in. But finally he said, Lord, is the fact that you're having me pray, is, are you trying to talk to me? And God didn't answer him. But he sensed that in his inner witness, he sensed something's going on here. Why would God have me pray for that church? This kind of praying is unusual. Does God want me to go back? But I don't want to go back to that church. I left that church with the fleece. I'm not going back. But that burden kept coming. So then he finally decided, since God wasn't talking to him, see, sometimes the Lord won't directly talk to you about certain things. Yeah. So don't get think God's mad at you. That's just, just flow with God. Yeah. Just learn to flow with him and not be so legalistic about everything. Don't sit there and go, if you don't talk to me, I'm, I'm going to backslide. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to read anymore until you talk to me. That's not the right attitude. God wouldn't talk to him. God didn't talk to him. All he had is his intercessory prayer burden. So you know what he decided? He said, I'm not the only one with the Holy Ghost. He said, that woman that thou hast given me, 
She asked the Holy Ghost as well. So he went to Aretha and he said, honey, if God speaks to you about anything, then let me know. But he didn't tell her what. He didn't tell her what category. He didn't give her any inclination of what he was talking about. He just said, if God speaks to you, let me know. And another 30 day passes. You see, uh, those that are believing don't make haste. It's better to take longer and be in the will of God than to rush and get out of the will of God. Another 30 days passes and he goes to his wife. They would wash dishes. He didn't like to dry. So he did the washing and she did the drying. He didn't like drying. So while they're washing the dishes and she's drying, he says, honey, that's, that's a revelation for some of you husbands too, by the way. You could help your wife a little bit. Um, he said, honey, he said, uh, has God been talking to you about anything? And she goes, if he has, I don't know it. So he's thinking, hmm. So he says, okay, I'm going to be a bit more pointed with her. And he says, honey, uh, has God, and he named the name of the town and the name of the church, the first church. And he said, has God been saying anything to you about going back to that church? And she said, And she says, well, if he has, I don't know it. So he says, well, so nothing's been happening in your heart. She goes, well, Ken, come to think about it. There is something here, but it's just me. And he goes, okay, now hold on a second. There's something here that's her spirit, but you think it's just you. He says, well, there's a way that we can determine if it's you or not. He said, let me ask you, honey, do you want to in your own soul, in your own desire, go back to that town? And she said, oh, dear Jesus, no. He says, so you don't want to go any more than I want to go. She goes, I do not want to go. He says, well, it's obviously not you because you don't even want to do it. So why are you saying it's just me? Because if it's you, If you want to do something, you could be missing it by your own ambition or desire. But you don't even want to do it. And I don't want to do it. But God keeps bringing this church to me. And something's rolling around on the inside of you about that church. And I never told you anything about that church. So he he was able to decipher, just as a 20-something-year-old, without all the teaching that we've got, he was able to decipher, uh, the inner witness is bearing witness in my wife and in me, and also this prayer burden is kind of a dramatic demonstration as well, that something about this church has to happen. we got to do something with this church, but none of, neither of us want to do it. So they know it's not their flesh, because they don't even want to go. So they know it's not the devil, because the devil can't live in their spirit. They know it's coming up from down in here. They know it's not originating from here because they don't even want to do it. But it's something's bubbling deep in here. See, my brother and sister, if you want to learn the anointing, then start to pray in the Holy Ghost more and and really devour the word. Get in the word and get in prayer. Much prayer and something will start bubbling here when God's interested in you doing something. And then you know it's not the devil because he can't counterfeit the inner witness. And it's not you because many times you don't even want to do it yourself. So he said, honey, I think God wants us to go back to that church. We have to yield our will because we don't want to go. So they said, father, we'll go. This is is, is that Hagen's funny. He says, now, father, we'll go, but we're not going to try to make anything happen. In other words, if you want it happening, then you better do something because I'm not even going to call them. Now, if God had said call them, he should call them, but God didn't tell him to call them. 
So Dad Hagen really, he did that a lot with things. He would say, I'm not going to ask somebody to preach. If they want me to preach, they can come talk to me. He'd go into meetings, he'd sit at the back and say, I'm not going to tell the minister I'm here. If you want him to know, then you show him, Lord. In other words, he never forced anything. He never tried to make things happen for his ministry. And God just constantly op just caused things to open up before him. So you know what happened? For two months, they know they're supposed to go back to that church and nothing's happening. So did he call? Did he get in the flesh? Did he try to rush? Did he send a resume? Did he call the board of directors? He did nothing. You see, those that believe don't need to make haste. And after 60 days... By a course of events, they contacted him and said, we've been feeling, I know you left, but we've been kind of feeling in our hearts the board wants you to come back. And we've already taken a vote on it, and we have a 100% unanimous decision to have you come back. Would you pray about it? So he says, well, I'll come on down for one week of meetings. He did, and then got somebody to cover his church, and then they asked him to stay for two weeks, and then they made it official. They put it on record, and they said, would you please be our pastor? And he said, okay, fine. You know, to this day, he never told that church that experience. He never told them that he, he, he said, I was out of the will of God to leave you, but he never said that God dealt with him with the intercessory burden. He never told them that whole story. He just did it in, on the inside, and he knew I have to go back to that church. I don't want that church. I don't like that church. I don't like that city. But I know God wants me to go back and pastor that church. That is called the bearing of witness in his spirit. And did you notice he didn't rush anything? He let it, he let it settle until he knew it. Then he waited on his wife until she knew it. Then they didn't make any move. They waited for them to know it. I mean, it took months for all of that, that, that puzzle to come together. But that is... That many times the leading of the Spirit takes time. Now it doesn't always take time. Sometimes it goes very quickly and sometimes God opens things very quickly. But I'm, I'm bringing this out because it's important that you don't rush things. Yeah. Being led by the Spirit should never feel out of control. Do you understand? If you're led by the Spirit, God may stretch you like he's stretching me with Oasis. To use the money, to my faith for the money. And now to come, you know like now we have two mortgages to pay. We have this building and we have that land. And that means that every week we need more money to come in in the offering. Well, now I know why God said to me, believe me for 40,000. When I was saying, Lord, I don't need 40,000. I don't need 40,000. We're okay with what we're doing now. Even if we give the staff raises, we don't need 40,000. But I didn't know that Oasis was coming. But God knew that Oasis was coming and that's why we need the 40,000 so we can pay for Oasis. But did you notice that nothing was, he stretched me, just like he stretched Dad Hagen in this scenario, but he never, I never felt rushed. I never felt out of control. I never felt like, like there's chaos. There was always a sense of sure-footedness. If you're led by the Spirit, there'll be a sense of sure-footedness. It's better to go slower than to go too fast. When you're, when you're making decisions, make sure you know. Amen. It's better. Are you, are you still with me? It's better that you know and that you don't rush. Praise God. I like that story, Jenny, because it reminds me, I think about that story often. It reminds me that even when we don't want to do something, if God wants us to do it, he'll get it over yes. to us. I don't want to do that business, Lord. I don't want to forgive that person, Lord. I don't want to go to this convention, Lord. I don't want to sow that seed, Lord. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. But when, but you just follow that inward witness, that inward witness, I'm telling you, that inward witness is very patient. 
I've noticed that when I, when I probably frustrate God because I won't do what he wants me to do because I'm fighting him, that inner witness doesn't go away. Now, if I, if I over a long period completely reject his counsel, then I'll grieve the spirit. But, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying if I'm just fighting him because I don't really like something, Taylor, and I don't really want to do something, he don't leave me alone. I go to bed with it, and I wake up in the morning, and it's still there. And I try to push it down. Lord, I'm not doing that. Lord, I told you I'm not doing that. You can't overcome my will. Your word says it. You won't overcome my will. But he's so patient. He'll just keep, he'll just keep, son, I just, I need you, I need you to yield. I need you to yield. I need you to yield. And I said, Lord, but, I, and then I give all my arguments like we all do. And I, and I have my temper tantrum like we all do. But I, but I notice he loves me so much. He's still there. It's, he's not hurting me, but it's like just that inner witness is constant pressure, but in a good way. Just, this is what I want you to do, son. But Lord, I can't. This is what I want you to do, son. But Lord, but Lord, you don't understand. This is what I want you to do, son. And then until I take that first step, I don't have peace. And then even when I take that first step, it's like, there's just like a, it's like a light flow of a current and he just guides me. Amen. Praise, God. Praise God. That inner witness is your best friend. Amen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it means that you have not learned what that inner witness is. That inner witness has saved my life more times than I can count. That inner witness has saved me in countless relationships and situations, hasn't it, Jenny? Amen. That inner witness led me to Pastor Nancy. Yeah, that's right. That inner witness, when other ministers were trying to vie to get me to be under them, <laughs> I won't say details because it would be inappropriate, but good ministers, wonderful ministers, they, they wanted our church to be under their auspices. And for lack of a better way, some of them courted me. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Yeah tried to do this and that and offer this and offer that and you know you come here and I'll give you this special seating and all that. but but you know but when I checked on the inside it was a red light it was a red light it was a red light and the only where the, the only place that it was a green light was Dr. Dufresne thank God for that inner witness so many ministers make the carnal decision of the biggest ministry the most flamboyant ministry the richest ministry with the biggest numbers well I want it because they they want all that bigness for them and they think well I if I can just get into that circle that social circle then I can build my way up but the inner witness if the inner witness is leading you there then do it but many times the inner witness doesn't lead that way praise God the inner witness has become my closest companion because you know what? No matter what happens, I know the inner witness won't lie to me. Yeah. The devil does not live in my spirit. The Holy Ghost lives in my spirit. Yes. Yes. And the devil has no part or lot or portion in my being led. Now, he can imitate a dream. He can bring false doctrine from the word. He can imitate a prophecy. He can imitate a word of knowledge. He can imitate every other way that God leads you. He can imitate. That doesn't mean he always does, but he can. He cannot mimic the inner knowing. The inner knowing is the only safe place that you have. So learn to, I don't know how to, I'm trying to say it, Jane, I don't think I'm saying it right because I can see some of them are looking at me like I've got four heads. The inner witness needs to become your best and closest companion. Yes. When I say that your spirit is inside you, but the spirit of God lives in your spirit and the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit about decisions you need to make. You've got to look there multiple times a day, every day. Most Christians don't even look to their spirit once. They don't even know they can. I look to my spirit every day. You say, what does it mean to look to your spirit? I check on the inside. 
How do you check? Well, I don't know how to explain natural things or spiritual things in natural language always to you, but you've got to learn to just inquire of the Lord. Father, I'm asking you about this. I don't really know what to do. I pray it out now in the Holy Ghost. And then I just say, is there anything bubbling? Is there anything there? Is there a check? Is there a peaceful feeling? Lord, what is that? And sometimes I don't know. So I don't try to make something when I don't know. So I just keep praying and I don't make the decision. But you need to make the decision. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I will not make the decision until I know. Yes. Well, then hurry up and know. I can't force the inner witness. So I just keep walking. I plod along the road and I just keep praying until I know. But when I know, I know. And I'll take it to the bank. It'll come to pass every time. And every time I've rushed it because people have pressured me, I've made mistakes. Hallelujah. Put up that next one, number 11, for me. I want them to see this. Now, I'm going to help you out with some, with some stuff. Now, uh, this, is, this is powerful. This is the uh, definition. Put up number 11, please. A definition of the inner witness. The witness of the Spirit is sometimes an inward intuition. I would highly suggest you take a picture or you write this down. This is what, these are some of the best quotes I've ever heard of Kenneth Hagin about this subject. He talked about it a lot. But, but I found some of the best quotes for you that I think are in, are in existence. That's because I'm a good pastor and all of you said, amen. This witness of the spirit, this witness, the inner witness is sometimes an inward intuition. Sometimes it's just a check that you sense in your spirit, a stop sign, so to speak. Or sometimes it's just a green light, so to speak. Something on the inside of you, sometimes it's just an inner prompting or an urge. I don't know why, but I have an urge to do this. Well, if it's sinful, you know it's not God. But if it's coming up out of your heart, then that, that, that urge can be the inner witness. That prompting, like the Passion Translation says, the impulse, an impulse of the Spirit, an intuition of the Spirit. Praise God. Go to the next one. Okay, I'm going to read it to you, but he's saying this in, in conjunction. In 1959, Jesus appeared to him in El Paso, Texas in the hospital and was sitting beside him for an hour and a half in the room and talked to him about the prophet's office and about being led by the Spirit, those, those, those things. So this came out of that in-person visitation from Jesus. He got into this area, he's talking about when Jesus appeared to him, about being led by the Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm not going to lead you by the prophet's ministry. Even though you do have that ministry, you're going to have to do like all the rest of my children. Learn to follow the inward witness. When you're praying about things and you've got that good velvety like feeling in your spirit, that's a go ahead sign. That's a green light. Go ahead. But you're praying, if you're praying about should I make this move or should I do that? And there seems to be a hesitancy, a check in your spirit. That's a stop sign. Don't do it. Don't go forward. That's the inner witness. That's what Jesus himself in an open vision said personally to Kenneth E. Hagin about the inward witness. I think we should pay attention to that. Can we go back and read it a second time? He got into this area while he was sitting beside him talking about the prophet's office, about being led by the Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm not going to lead you by the prophet's ministry. 
In other words, that anointing and that office, I'm not going to lead you by that. That's the Old Testament. That's not the new. Even though you have that ministry, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to do like all the rest of my children. Learn to follow the inward witness. When you're praying about things, now watch the phraseology Jesus used. When you're praying about things and you've got that good velvety-like feeling, that's what Jesus called it. Are you listening? You know what that means? That soft, that gentle velvety feeling. When you've got that good velvety-like feeling in your spirit, that's a go-ahead sign. That's a green light. Go ahead. But you're praying, if you're praying about, should I make this move or should I do that thing? And there seems, instead of that velvety feeling, to be a hesitancy, a check in your spirit, that's a stop sign. Don't do it. Don't move forward. That is the inner witness. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. There is a difference, and I'm closing up now, but there is a difference between the inner witness and the inner voice and then the spirit's voice. A lot of people don't know the difference. So I want to teach you the difference because it will help you tremendously. It's helped me tremendously. Uh, let's go to the next one. I want you to see, this is a statement he often made. Jesus told Kenneth Hagin, if you'll learn to follow that inward witness, I'll make you rich. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. What is covetous? It is a lust and hunger for money. It is greed. It is money minded. It is money obsessed. It is money is your God. But you know that God doesn't want you to be that, but God doesn't mind you being, being rich. Now, Dad Hagen would say, a lot of you don't know what the word rich means. He said, you think rich means like these, you know, Hollywood stars. You know, that's not the scriptural version of what rich means. Those Hollywood stars, nothing wrong with it, but they have excess. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not the scriptural definition of rich. If you study the scriptural definition of rich, you know what you're going to find? These words, an abundant provision and a full supply. That means, Jenny, in our phase of life right now, if there is an abundant provision... We have more than enough. We have a full supply to the point that we have enough money to help other people in need. Scripturally, I am rich. I don't have to be a millionaire to be rich. If I have an abundant provision and a full supply, every need is met. There's money in the bank in case another need were to show up unexpectedly. And I have money left over to help others in need. The Bible calls me rich. So don't think rich means that you have to have $10 million. Because sometimes those people with $10 million, because of their lifestyle and their expenses and everything that is required of them, they actually don't have an abundant supply. They don't have more than enough. They're always trying to eke out because they've, over, they've overdone what their lifestyle should be. So their money goes into this black hole. So while from one perspective they're rich, from another perspective they're not because they're always looking because they're always stressed. Do you understand? Rich does not mean ultra excess. Rich means you have more than enough for right now. No matter what happens, no matter what bill comes up, no matter what unexpected thing comes up, you've got more than enough. And you've got so much that you're able to sow and help other charitable works and other people that are struggling. If you're in that category, the Bible calls you rich. And it doesn't matter really how much money you make or how much money you have because it's based on that 
that thought process. So now watch this now. Jesus said, if you'll follow the inward witness, did you notice he didn't say follow education? Now the inward witness may lead you to education, but it also may not. If you just follow that inward knowing by the spirit, I'll make you rich. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. If he was, then why did he bless Abraham? Why was Abraham the richest man in the whole earth? Uh, why was Job the richest man in the whole earth? If God was opposed to money, then he wouldn't have blessed his Old Testament children. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the blessing of Abraham, according to Galatians 3.13, has come upon me because I've received the promise of the Spirit through faith. God has no problem with me being abundantly supplied. But he wants me to do it by following the inward witness. That's right. The world system is like 50 Cent and all these uh, demon-possessed people that do these songs, Get Rich or Die Trying. I'm going to get rich one way or the other, or I'm going to die trying. That is a carnal thought process from the devil. God is not interested in you dying for anything other than him. God is not interested in you breaking your back with hard labor to become rich in your own perspective, in your own perspective of what rich is. God wants you to be led by the spirit, the inward bearing of witness, and he will lead you. Go down this path and I'll bless you. Go down here and I'll bless you. Enter into this business and I'll bless you. Enter into that, commi- that thing with that person and I'll bless you. The lead, the, the following the leading of the witness, the, the following the inward witness will make, will make us provided for. Amen. So what is that inward witness? It's that velvety feeling. It's that inner knowing. It's that urge. It's that, it's that warm place. It's that sense of, I don't know why I know, but I just know. It's just something. It bears witness down in here. There's no voice attached to the inward witness. Yeah. Are you listening to me? There's no voice. When you hear me say, God spoke to me, that's not the inward witness. I, I go, I, I always, everything that happens, I, I reflect it back to my inward witness, but the inward witness has no voice. It's just, it's a knowing. It's a velvety feeling of assurance. Or it's a check and a hesitancy and an uneasiness and a something's wrong, something's, something's not right. And, and depending on how serious it is, it could be like a warning. Or it could be very light, but you just know something doesn't click, something's not right here. Listen to that. Praise God. That's the inward witness. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, the inward voice. Can you turn to number 14, please? Hallelujah. The inward witness is the most common way the Holy Ghost leads us. But number two is the inward voice. Sometimes the inward witness and the inward voice are related. Sometimes we call that inward voice a still small voice. Really, much of the time, it's the voice of our own spirit speaking to us, which I've added this phrase, which is a little stronger than just the inward witness. That voice is the voice of our spirit. The voice is passing on to our minds what the spirit, what our spirits have picked up from the spirit of God within us. Go back, I want to read it again. It's very, it's deep, but it's powerful. The inward witness is the most common way. That's that velvety feeling. But the second most common way is the inward voice. This inward voice and the inward witness are very similar, but they're distinct. Okay? Sometimes we call that inward voice the still small voice. Really, much of the time, it's the voice of our own spirit speaking to us. That is the voice of our spirit. Now, that voice that is speaking to us is a little stronger than just the inward witness. Are you following me? You've got in you, sweetheart, the inner witness, which is a knowing. 
but your spirit houses the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your spirit. If you don't get this, it's because you're so soul-minded, you don't realize that you actually are a spirit being. Your spirit is in connection with the Holy Spirit all the time. The Holy Spirit is speaking, Jenny, to your spirit about what he wants. Your spirit is, a, it's, it's you, it's the real you. It's the entity that is, that is within you. Okay, your mind and your body is, is secondary. Your spirit is the real you. The spirit speaks to your spirit certain things. Now your spirit can talk to you. I know it's hard for people to fathom, but your spirit can talk to you. So when the spirit of God lets you know by the bearing of witness in your spirit that something's right, you get that feeling, that sense of assurance. But there's, but there's something a little stronger than that. That's when the spirit is influencing your spirit and your spirit has a voice. Your natural mind has a voice. Your natural ears have, your natural body has ears, but your spirit has ears and your spirit has a voice. You know how I know that? Because when the, when the rich man went down to hell and Jesus told that story, the rich man, which was his spirit in hell, not his body, his spirit spoke, his spirit felt, his spirit said, I'm in torment, have Lazarus dip his finger with some water, go back and tell my brothers not to come to this place of torment. The spirit felt all those things, was able to communicate. In, the, in heaven, you're going to be able to talk, you're going to be able to speak. Your spirit has a voice. Yes. When Dad Hagen died at 15 years old and went to hell and God and that voice came from heaven and pulled him back as his mother was crying out for him to be raised from the dead. Remember Jenny, he was talking to God in his, his spirit was ascending from hell and his spirit is saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Why, how could I go down there? I've been baptized. I've been baptized. And then when his spirit came back into his body, he picked up the words mid-sentence, his lips and vocal cords picked up the words mid-sentence, but his spirit was saying the same sentence the whole time. Why? Because your spirit man has a voice. It has an ability to hear and feel. Your spirit is the real you. So it makes sense when the spirit is influencing your spirit, your inner voice, this, your spirit can speak to you. When you hear that, what we call the still small voice, see, Dad Hagen has helped us because he taught us a lot of people call the still small voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying it's never that, but in most cases, it's not that. The still small voice in most cases is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of your spirit speaking to you. And, you, and it's communicating to your mind what God is saying on the inside of you. You say, well, then what is the voice of the Holy Spirit? The voice of the Holy Spirit is, a, is another thing altogether. And Dad Hagen taught, and I can bear witness by my own life hundreds of times. When the Spirit speaks to you, it's got nothing to do with that still small voice in most cases. It is loud. It is authoritative. And you know the Spirit has spoken to me. Now, I'm not saying he can't speak still and quiet, but in most of my occasions and what Dad Hagen in his life, he said that what people call the still small voice being the spirit is actually their own spirit. Because when the spirit speaks to you, you'll know it. Have you ever, have you ever had an experience where you hear something so loud on the inside that it almost feels like you're hearing it with your physical ears? And have you ever said, did you hear that? 
Did you hear that? That's the Spirit speaking. It almost feels physical, even though nobody else heard it, so it wasn't physical. But it's so loud on the inside of you, it's like, boom. That's the Spirit speaking. But when you've got that still, small, little voice, you just, it's speaking to you. It could be the Holy Ghost, but in most cases, it's your own spirit influenced by the Holy Spirit that is talking to you. And most people, listen, the most common way is the knowing, the witness. But the inner voice is stronger than the inner witness. So learn, learn. You know, I'm giving you this as Bible school level material on a Sunday morning. But the Lord told me to do this. So I'm done now. I can see smoke coming out of some of your ears. I'm done now. But what I'm just trying to get you to understand is that be aware that you are a spirit. Be aware the spirit of God lives in you. Be aware that he will bear witness with your spirit with a velvety feeling or a, or a hesitancy feeling with a knowing about what to do. That's the most common way. But it's not the only way. Many times I'll hear this little voice, Taylor, do this. I want you to forgive that person. And I, for years, mistook that to think it was the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit, but my spirit is talking to me. My spirit has a voice and my mind is picking up what my spirit is saying. But it's still from the Holy Spirit. It's just my spirit. But then when it's more authoritative, when it's more undeniable, that's when you know that's not my spirit talking to me like that. And it's certainly not the inner witness. That is God himself speaking to me. And you can write it down word for word. Now don't aim for that. Aim for the inner witness because people that try to claim the voice of God will hear the voice of demons. Because you're not permitted in scripture to ask God for that. You have to, he has to just give that to you as you're able to receive it. What he does say is focus on the inner witness and get so solid with that. Remember what he said to Dad Higgin? I'm not going to lead you by the prophet's office. I'm going to lead you by the inner witness. You have to be like all my other children. You have to learn the inner witness. And then when you get that inner witness, you'll start to learn the difference between the inner voice. And then when you're familiar with the inner witness and the inner voice, you'll start to hear the voice of the Spirit. That's when things get exciting. Let me finish this off and we'll close. Really, much of the time, it's the voice of our own spirit that is speaking to us, which is a little stronger than the inner witness. That voice is the voice of our spirit. That voice is passing onto our minds, the voice of our spirit, what our spirits have picked up from the spirit of God within us. Now, that inner voice is not as authoritative as when the voice of the spirit comes to you. Are you following me on that? When the spirit speaks, it's very clear and it's very distinct. And sometimes it feels like you've heard an audible voice, even though you haven't. But it feels that way because it's authoritative in nature. That's the inner voice versus the inner witness. Do one more quote and we'll close. Number 15, please. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it will be a little more authoritative than the inner witness and a little more authoritative than the inward voice. When he speaks, you're not hearing it with your physical ears. Although to you, it's just as though he spoke to you physically. You might say, who said that? Or did you hear that? You see, I'd heard with my physical ears the authoritative voice of the Spirit of God speaking. Now, what he means by that is he hadn't heard it with his physical ears. He heard it with his spiritual ears, but it was so distinct and authoritative, it felt like it was physical. 
Do you understand? So that's why he's saying, it's, see, you see, it's like I heard it with my physical ears, but it was really my spiritual ears. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, Jenny, when you were in that, in, that, in, that, in that washroom and those men were coming to rape you, and the Spirit of God said to you, get out. Yes. That was the Spirit. That wasn't your inner voice. That was the spirit with authority yes. commanding you. And when you argued with him, he said it again. And when you argued with him a third time, shame on you, he yelled at you. He yelled, get out! And because he was trying to save her life. You see, that's the, the spirit's voice is very authoritative. But that inner still small voice, most of the time, is your own spirit communicating to you because it's picked up things from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that inner witness is your spirit having picked up things from the Holy Ghost, giving you a sense of knowing. And that sense of knowing is the number one way God leads us. The number two way is the inward voice. The number three way is the voice, three way, the number third way is the voice of the spirit with authority speaking to us. But you don't search after the voice of the spirit, you search after the inner witness. Because that's the safest. Hallelujah. The more you get skillful with this, the more you'll be able to look at me and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm starting to figure out what's me and what's God. I couldn't tell the difference first, but now I, I, just, I just know I got that velvety feeling. And it's not up here because up here I don't even really want to do it. Can I give you a hint? If you want to do something in your mind, you better pray extra. <laughs> when I wanted to buy a certain car, and I felt there was an inward witness to buy that car, I always second guess myself because I want to do it. It could be my ambition. It could be my, my desire for the thing that is my soul and it's not my spirit. When I don't want to do something and, go, and I have that inner witness, it's very easy for me because I don't want to do it anyway. So it has to be God. But when I want to do something and I get that inner witness, I always double check. I say, Father, I, I, I wipe myself clean of ambition and all these desires. I don't want to do it if you don't want to do it, even though I want it, but I really don't want it if it's not what you want. So now I'm going to pray it out in the Holy Ghost a little bit longer, and I need you to verify again that there is a still small uh, inner witness on the inside. And many times the Lord will be so kind to me, not only will he give me the inner witness, but to just make sure that I know 100% that it's him, he'll give me the inner voice. And I'll have that little voice come up on the inside of me. Like when I was there buying the car, I wanted to buy a different BMW. I didn't want to buy the one that one. I didn't want a demo. I didn't want somebody else having rubbed their butt in my seat. I didn't want the manager and all his mess in my seat. But, 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 you know, that's the one they were offering me. I wanted the sports one. I wanted the one with the nice sleek finish like a bullet. I wanted the one that goes zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. I didn't want the one I got. I wanted that one. And I said, I believe God. I'm, I'm just like you all. And I'm sending out my angels. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. But I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the other one. And he says, you know, you could do that one, but it's going to stretch you a little bit too much, sir. I really think this is the one. And everything in me is like, I don't want that. White. I don't want white. I want purple. That was a purple car. I wanted purple. Purple is the color of God. That's what I want. The sports purple car. But when I see, uh, then he went off to talk to his boss and I've learned to take, 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 use those opportunities when you're left alone. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, don't be weird about it. Don't be like that. Don't be the butterfly net to you. Don't be loud. Just be quiet. 
And I, and I, but under my breath, I said, Lord, I know what I want. Let me check. And I just started, I, I mean, maybe three seconds, four seconds. I barely got anything out. I just started saying, just, just under my breath. And immediately there was a grieving. Immediately there was a grieving for the purple sports car. But I don't want that white one. I want that one, Lord. And then I tried to change his mind. But Lord, but Lord, I'll believe you for the money. But Lord, I'll steal from Taylor. I'll do whatever it takes to get the money. Lord, just, just. But you see, Taylor, by the inward witness, I knew. I don't know how I know it. I just know. No. So then I turned my attention to this one. Lord, please, no, don't give me the inner witness about this one. There's got to be something else in the showroom. But as soon as, I, as soon as I looked at it, as soon as I stood, I stood up and I went and I, and I looked at it, there was, my spirit went, Chip. Now, you see, that's the inner witness, Lorraine. But because God is kind, he often adds the inner voice. And I heard him say, this is the one. It will bring you joy. Now, that's my spirit speaking to me, not the Holy Ghost, but my spirit's picking that up from the Spirit of God. And so I made the decision, the right decision. Now you see, if I had, you see, it would have been the end of the world if you got the other one and you had f forced it in the flesh. Yeah, but you don't know where that's going to take you. Sure. Yeah. You don't know what kind of financial problems you'd have, what problems with the car they'd be. You know, it kind of looked like a drug dealer with a purple car anyway, you know. <laughs> All I need is a nice wide brim hat, you know, Jenny. You know what I'm saying? You know, we could have had a whole new group of people join the church. It would have been wonderful. <laughs> I don't know why God said no, Taylor, but all I know is that he said no. It's not my job to argue with the inner witness. And if you argue and you violate it, you will pay the price. That's all I'm saying. I've paid it many times. Dad Hagen paid it for 14 months. I've paid it. You don't like to pay that price. So just go with that knowing. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning and for this afternoon, I should say, and for these precious people. Lord, you so desire them to learn skill in the inner witness and in being led by the Spirit. Thank you for the still small voice of our spirit and thank you for the voice of the Holy Spirit that is stronger and more authoritative than even our own. Lord, I pray that you'd help these people divide skillfully between the two, between the three really. And that, Lord, they would get more familiar with looking at themselves as a spirit being. We are so trained by society to look at ourselves and how we feel and how we look on the outside and our bodies and our souls and our intellects. And while that all has a plight, part to play, Lord, the real us is not what we see in the mirror. And the real us is not how smart or intellectual or ambitious we are. The real us lives on the inside of our belly. It's our spirit man. And that is in divine communication with the Father by the Holy Ghost. Lord, help us begin to more frequently turn to our spirits. Look down to our spirits. Check our spirits. Not making rush decisions, but taking time to wait on you. Not putting out fleeces, but waiting on you for the inner knowing on the inside. Looking for the inner witness and secondly, the inner voice. That we would be led by the Spirit as we make decisions. Lord, it will, it, it will pay off dividends in the future. It will save us from countless pains and traumas and dangers and losses. The inner witness is our best friend. It's our best companion. The Holy Ghost on the inside of us is our greatest ally. I thank you, Spirit of God, that you've helped us this morning. I know it was a little deeper. I know it was a little bit more 
teaching based and more deeper this morning. But Lord, we can't always just have inspiration. I, I've got to be able to teach the congregation things, even if it is a little deeper. They've got to come, Lord, with, with, an, with an open heart to even receive the deeper te teachings of the, of the Word of God. Because this is how we grow. This is how we develop. We're never going to develop with just on milk all the time. We've got to get some of the meat of the Word. Lord, whether they realize it or not, I gave them some meat this morning. And there's much more. There's other scriptures and other examples in the Word that I'll prove this out if they'll just give me the opportunity next week. But Lord, I thank you at the end of the day that you're helping us distinguish that we are a spirit. The Holy Ghost lives in our spirit and we can be led by the spirit, number one, with the inner knowing and witness. Let them become skillful, Father, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus.